that. Such a wonderful blessing to hear teenagers singing, Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. That song was actually handpicked by our teens. I asked them, I said, what song do you guys want to sing? And they, they resounded with, we want to sing Jesus, thank you. Man, that was such a blessing and encouragement to my heart. And I really got to give it to our teens. Have a, they've had a little bit of a uh, shortened practice time with some of the sickness that's been going around has made it difficult for us to get together and practice, which is no one's fault, really, but they've had some condensed practice time, and really, I, I believe they've done such a great job here tonight, and it's blessed my heart. Uh, now, at this time, I'll go ahead and ask Andy to come on up. Andy's going to be our preacher here tonight. He's a young man that has answered God's call to preach, and man, I am so excited to hear what God has laid upon his heart. And uh, so, Andy, if you'll come at this time and uh, deliver God, God's word to us here tonight. If you would open your Bibles, get out your Bibles and open them to Hebrews chapter 3. Get out your Bibles and make your way to Hebrews chapter 3. This will be where we'll be tonight. And I hope you don't mind, but we're going to be jumping around quite a bit. So, you can't turn to every passage, that's fine, but um, you can be reading a lot of scripture. Hebrews chapter 3. Before we get into Hebrews chapter 3, I want to step back and look at Hebrews chapter 2. Because if, once you get to Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 1, and you'll see it starts with wherefore. <laughs> so it takes us directly back to Hebrews chapter 2. And this is our, I guess, teen Christmas service, but really my message tonight is not about Christmas. Um, but if we step back and look at Hebrews chapter two, 2, it does talk a little bit about the Christmas story here. So we'll begin in chapter 2. If you would, notice quickly as I step through these verses and kind of narrate chapter 2, verse 6 of Hebrews. But one in a certain place testifying, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and dost set him over the works of thy hand. A quotation from Psalms. He's beginning to set his argument here, if you will. Down to verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. First, we see God created us lower than the angels, and so we see God, his creation, the angels, and then us um, lower than the angels. Um, and then verse 9, Jesus took on flesh and became lower than the angels. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's for us. Amazing. Jump down, if you would, to verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power over death, that is, the devil. Verse 16 and 17. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Here we see that Jesus was made lower than the angels, and this is not my message tonight, but it's just a, a, a way of introduction to chapter 3. Here he's talking about Jesus coming down to earth and being born with the nature of man. And then the thought I want to share. 
um, for the Christmas season, if you will. The thought I would like for you to carry through the season is born to die and made lower than the angels, his own creation. And then that was all for us. So then that brings us to chapter 3, verse 1, which starts with wherefore. Again, chapter 2, what we just talked about, Jesus, why he assumed human nature. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. Verse 4, For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Just like to stop right there. God built all things. <laughs> Again, uh, I, I didn't say this earlier, but God took on the human nature. He did not come as God our creator, as it says in verse 4. Um, for then he could not die for us. And he did not come as an angel, because then he could not suffer like we suffer. But he took on him the nature of man, that he might die and suffer, so that, as in verse 18 of chapter 2, he can succor them that are tempted. I don't know if I'm saying that word right. But that means to be able to fund to support, to help or relieve when in difficulty. That's why he took on human nature um, when he was born into this world at Christmas. All right. Continuing verse 5 of chapter 3. Moses was verily faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house whose house are we, notice this two-letter word, if, we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, my message tonight is about backsliding in a hardened heart. And this word, if, has a huge significance. Again, verse 6, but Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? I like to say Christ dwells in us as Christians. Yes or no? He does. And so that brings light to his example here. We're Christ's house. He dwells within us. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, that kind of messed me up right there. Why in the world does he have that word, the end, at the end of that verse? It says, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, at first, that messed me up because it made me think, God doesn't dwell in me unless I hold fast my profession or this Christian life until the end or when I die, or so I thought. And I, I couldn't understand this verse. But that word end has a different meaning than what I originally thought. It, it means more of like, to the uttermost or to the fullest extent. And I had, that's from the, the Greek definition of this word. And I was like, oh, well now that makes sense. And so I'd like to say this before I move on with the message. If you do not understand God's word, it does not make it inaccurate or untrue. It means our perfection is not, our understanding is not perfected rather. Um, just like if you were to read the scientific works of Albert Einstein or perhaps Perhaps Isaac Newton, um, I could not understand. 
everything <laughs> at all. Um, and probably most of you couldn't either, but it does not make it untrue. And so when we see something we do not understand in God's word, please stop and realize through faith that he knows more than I do, and I simply need to understand at his level. And so study. All right, verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. That if, again, it, reply, uh, uh, um, it shows that we have something we need to do to hold our, up our end of the agreement, if you will. Christ saved us, but it says Christ is a son over his own house, and we're his house if we're saved. Yes. Um, but if we hold fast the confidence and rejoice in the hope from within, now it seems kind of <laughs> strange because we're his house if we're saved. So I was struggling with this, and I was trying to understand it, and it was like, that's where the hardened heart comes in. Because if you jump down to verse 7, it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. We can harden our hearts and have nothing to do with Christianity after we're saved. Go live out in this world however we want, and there's nothing keeping us living as a Christian, so to speak. Um, and people do, and I could be one of them, or you could. We all have that possibility. But if, so Christ will always dwell in us as a Christian, but I like this example, the house. A house is more than one room. A house has many rooms. If we turn away from God and harden our hearts, we slowly constrict him in our life. Very slowly, over time, we constrict him. And he has no free reign. He has no control over us. And so, it's like we're putting him in the closet, if you will. And now we are not his house. He simply dwells in our closet. And so that's how I'd, I guess I would explain this verse. Yes, Christ will always dwell in us if we're Christians. But we can harden our hearts. And as it says in 1 Corinthians, if you would turn there, 1 Corinthians, let me see, 3.15. We can harden our hearts so much so that it says in verse 15 of chapter 3, 1 Corinthians 3.15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. If we turn away from God and have nothing to do with anything of God in this life, we will still be saved, yet so as by fire. And that's a scary thought, because it does not say from fire. It says by fire. It's going to be mighty hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be that person, but we all can be. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Continue reading, starting at verse 8. Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, 
and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Remember, this chapter starts with wherefore, holy brethren. This is written to us. We're the holy brethren. This is written to us. It's not written to unbelieving uh, Jews, if you will. It's written to Christians. It's written to us. And it's talking about a hardened heart all through the chapter. And that can be any of us. Anybody sitting here, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Verse 12, any of you could be in any of us. And how does that happen, you say? It doesn't make sense. How can Christ dwell us and yet we get our heart and heart? We still have our free will choice. God never takes away our free will choice. It's a free will choice to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. But it's also a free will choice whether we're going to live for Christ every day. We can harden our heart, as this chapter talks about. We can harden our heart and turn away. And we don't want that to happen. So we have to realize we have to guard ourselves against this. We have to do something to stop this. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. How are we going to stop this from happening in our life? First of all, I'd like you to notice chapter 3, verse 7. As the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. If, again, if you will hear his voice. When we start to harden our hearts, what you'll realize is you will not listen. You will not listen to God and you will not be reading the Bible. If you want to protect yourself from this hardened heart, read God's word. And come to Sunday preaching and Wednesday preaching. Hear his voice. That's the first step towards not having a hardened heart. But you can be on, uh, come to every service and perhaps read your Bible in a, a light manner and still have a hardened heart. And I would say many Christians do. And uh, it can happen to me. It can happen to any of us. We have to study the Bible and do more than read. If you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Jump down to verse 13. Secondly, to prevent a hardened heart. Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. A hardened heart is so deadly because sin is deceitful. The devil tempts us and we fall for one thing. And once we fall for the sin once, it hardens our heart a little bit. And the devil says, it's not that big of a deal. And that's how our heart gets hardened. A little bit at a time. The, through the deceitfulness of sin. It's not what it at first appears. And the devil will lie to you and tell you that's not that big of a deal. But we need to see sin through God's eyes. 
exhort one another. That's what we're supposed to be doing when we assemble together at church. We're supposed to exhort one another, and that's what the preaching is, exhorting one another. And that means getting in front of somebody's face and telling them when they're doing something wrong or encouraging them to do right. And that we're supposed to be doing that every time we meet together. Otherwise, we'll get a hardened heart through the deceitfulness of sin. So hear his voice, read his word, exhort one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. That is also found in Hebrews. Turn with me to 10, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. This is, verse is often quoted for why we assemble us uh, together at church. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much and more as ye see the day approaching. That's why we have to come to church. Because otherwise, we harden our hearts to sin, and we depart from our profession, from our Christian walk. We harden our hearts to sin. Now, one of the most important things to remember when we're protecting ourselves from this hardened heart is the attitude or the mind thought or the, the way of thinking, I should say, that I'll do this tomorrow. I'll do this tomorrow. And this chapter says, verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice. That's why you need to read his word every day. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation. The children of Israel were saved from Egypt, and the picture of our salvation. Then they're led through the wilderness by God, picture again of our Christian walk. And they have seen all the signs and wonders, and then they hardened their hearts. And that's what he's talking about here, in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, they do always err in their heart, and have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily. Again, it has to be done today. It says, while it is called today, do it today, do it tonight, and examine your heart. Hear his voice. When it says hear his voice, jump with me to verse, or chapter 4, one chapter over, chapter 4, verse 7. Again, he limited a certain day, saying, David, today, after so long time, as said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Read his word today. Hear his voice today. For Jesus hath given them rest. Then would they not have afterward have spoken another day. There remaineth therefore a rest of the people of God. For he that has entered in his rest, he also, also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Verse 11 let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Verse 12. 
For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. For the longest time, I thought that verse was saying, the Bible is our weapon to fight against the devil. And it is, it is. But that sword is for doing surgery on me. It's for cutting myself open so I can see what's in my heart. It's a discerner. Again, the word of God you're looking at. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Chapter 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. You have to take the word of God and perform, perform some surgery, cut yourself open, and examine yourself, examine your heart to see if there is wickedness of an uh, unbelieving in a hardened heart through the word of God. That's what he says. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the soul and spirit. That's what we have to use to examine ourselves. Not comparing ourselves to somebody else. Not comparing ourselves to the, the other Christians sitting next to us. Well, we're better than them. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look at the Bible. And that's why Christians all around us have these hardened hearts, not living the victorious Christian life, not doing anything for God, but going around in this world, wasting the precious life God has given them. And when they get to heaven, they'll have nothing to show for their life here on earth. They'll be saved, yes, so as by fire. That could be me. I don't want it to be. As Apostle Paul said, that could be him. He said that, lest when he hath preached to others, he himself should be a castaway. It could be him. He was afraid of that, and I'm afraid of that for myself. The only way I can prevent that is by daily, while he's today, studying his word and getting exhortation from my other Christians friends and my brothers and sisters and the Lord and also in the flesh but I have to have that otherwise I will get this hardened heart and you have to hate that hardened heart you have to hate it otherwise you're not going to protect yourself from it you have to hate it it has to be something you despise something you want nothing to do with and while, yes, this message is, I guess, focusing mostly on the, the hardened heart of a Christian and say, oh, yeah, they're not in that church tonight. Yes and no. See, my heart can be hardened even right now. About that much. And that's all it takes to be classified as a hardened heart, yes or no. So I would say that most of us here have our heart hardened to some extent, even right now. Because we have this human nature. None of us are perfect. So of course we all are dealing with this. Of course we all have this. 
we have to, have to get into his word, hear his voice while it is today. Otherwise, we're going to be miserable on this earth. And when we get to heaven, we'll be saved, resurrect our bodies. And I don't want that to be me. I don't want my neighbors to go to hell because I never once witnessed to them or shared with them how they can know they're going to heaven. And that's what will happen when I have this hardened heart. They'll do nothing but sit on a hoop. That's the end of my message, really. And it's just breaks my heart to think that this could be me. There's nothing preventing it from being me. Except because I have the freedom of choice. It's almost like, as David said in the Psalms, make me to go in the path of righteousness. I wish you'd take away my free will choice. Because otherwise I I could do that. I could be that. I could have this hardened heart. That can be in any of us. So hate it. Hate it. Develop a, a godly hate for a hardened heart. Thank you. What a, what a wonderful, powerful message here tonight. Uh, uh, just in a con- such a convicting thought. I know that was so convicting to me. Just the idea of not even, not even having a totally hardened heart, but are you hardened even a little bit? Is there an area in your life where God is not allowed? Man, what, what an awesome thought. Andy, you did such a fantastic job with that. And uh, man, I am so thankful for, man, the work that our teens put into tonight. I really encourage you, uh, if there was a single teen in here, maybe a song that blessed your heart or the message spoke to you, I would encourage you, find one of those teens. Tell them. Tell them, hey, you did a great job with that song. Hey, that was a great message. Hey, great job with that sign language. Man, it'll really encourage them. I guarantee you that team won't forget it. They won't forget it soon. And so let me just encourage you tonight. If, if, you, if something spoke to your heart, if something touched your heart, find a team. Let them know. Man, aren't you glad that we've got young people in our church who have a desire to serve the Lord with their gifts? I want you to stand, if you would, with our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. We've heard God's word preached. And I believe that it's important that we respond today to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. If God is speaking to your heart, I want to give you that opportunity tonight to respond. We've heard talk about the things that we're so blessed with. We're blessed with having an altar that we can come and pray at. We praise the Lord that we have the word of God that was open tonight. And God has spoken to hearts. And the challenge that each one of us, there's that hardness that we want to make sure never has a place in our hearts. And I would invite you tonight to listen as the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to you today, right now, this moment, as God's spoken to your heart. I invite you to make a decision tonight. I would invite you to come and just say, Lord, I need to be in your word more daily. Lord, I need to be an example to others and share the gospel with others more. Lord, I don't want to have a hard heart. Make a commitment tonight. Give your heart to the Lord. 
you might say that as the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to your heart, the word of God was open tonight, and there was some surgery done, and it revealed some things in your heart. There's some things in your life that's become hard. Things that used to be normal, perhaps reading the word of God daily was something that was part of your life that right now it's not what it used to be. Maybe being in church. Maybe everything on the outside looks like everything is just fine, but you know there's a part of your heart that's gotten hard. Used to be at soul winning and visitation. Used to be part of the outreach ministry at Lighthouse Baptist Church, but right now, no longer is it present in your life. Has God spoken to your heart tonight? I just invite you, would you step, would you come to this altar and pray? Would you come and give your heart to the Lord? Just say, Lord, I want my heart to be soft. Has God spoken to your heart? Respond tonight.